I'm here today to wish my good friend Avi well in his marriage. May God bless your marriage, and may you seek God and follow him so he can indeed bless you with true happiness. Sounds like his crazy father, always talking about God. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 27 of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. Plus, a little later, we'll head to Jenny's Corner to hear from our story's author, Jenny L. Cody. Today, she talks about the challenges of writing a story when it is closely tied to the actual true stories of the Bible, like we'll see in today's episode. Ah, uh, hold up there, announcer lad. Oops, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, just a bit. Sorry. Uh, let's just get into the story with our hosts. Ah, so he does remember us. How about that, then? <laughs> All right. Here's Max and Liz. Oh, you mean moi? And me, too. Well, Liz, looks like we still have our jobs, then, eh? Hooey. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I got a little ahead of myself there. Well, that might be a good thing, then, lad. How do you mean? Well, it seems like some days you're having trouble keeping up with yourself. <laughs> you are making progress. Très bien. <laughs> yeah, très bien. Uh, right now, it would be really très bien if you two would introduce today's episode. All right, then. Keep your shirt on. Well, last time, Liz, your famous noble warrior... Oh, Al. Ah, in case we forgot who that were. Her last time, Al risked his life just to bring you some wee flowers. Oui, that was indeed noble, uh, but uh, perhaps not so wise. Aye, that giant pile of snow that came crashing down nearly drowned him. Ah, uh, don't remind me. Uh, but then again, it should remind us that while we were all following the fire cloud, there was a family of humans who were living life according to the maker's plan. And they were paying for it. It were Noah and his family. They were being faithful to the maker. And the rest of the world thought that they were being daft. And in today's episode, you will see what we mean. We'll even hear from the maker himself. Well, we don't want to keep him waiting now, do we then? All right, it's all yours, announcer lad. Ooh, my turn? Uh, très bien. Chapter 27. The Wedding. I propose a toast exclaimed a member of the wedding party, slurring as he spoke. Another toast to the happy couple. May you always be rich. May you always have everything you desire. And may you have many children who try to take their inheritance early. <laughs> Laughter abounded at this wedding, as did heavy drinking. The guests had been celebrating for two days, and they were just getting started. Shem felt uncomfortable and couldn't wait to leave. But it was his best friend who had married this foreigner. He wanted to join in celebrating his friend's happiness, but still he knew that this marriage was not God-honoring. 
He was torn. How could he congratulate his friend on what he knew in his heart to be wrong? It had become increasingly difficult for Noah's family to coexist in this society that plunged further and further into wickedness as the years went by. Shem held on to this last good friend who had walked in the ways of God when they were children. But now his friend rejected God to pursue what he wanted in life. Shem frequently questioned, who was really right? Was his father right? Or was the rest of the world right? It was hard being such an outsider. Hey, we haven't heard from the crazy ark builder, shouted a drunken guest. Others joined in the heckling, asking Shem to say something. Shem knew they were mocking him. They didn't really care about anything he had to say. But he felt he would honor his friend nonetheless. What did he really have to lose? I'm here today to wish my good friend Avi well in his marriage. May God... Shem hesitated as he looked at the audience of guests, their eyes boring into him. May God bless your marriage, and may you seek God and follow him so he can indeed bless you with true happiness. Sounds like his crazy father. Always talking about God, another guest shouted. Others joined in to taunt Shem. I heard him say that God is going to destroy us if we don't shape up. Yeah, why would we want to shape up when we're happy the way we are? Noah has been building that boat for 100 years. Any nut like that isn't worth listening to. If God were really coming to get us, don't you think he would have done so by now? Avi couldn't stand the ridicule of his friend any longer. Silence! Shem is my guest and my friend. Stop this banter before I ask you to leave. Avi motioned for Shem to go outside with him. Shem looked around the room at the smiling faces filled with avarice. Yet he knew their smiles weren't from happiness, but from delight in seeing yet another blow come against the family of Noah. Avi took Shem to the garden behind the house to sit down under the shady grapevines. Shem, I'm sorry about all that. Everyone's drunk, and they don't know what they're saying, Avi said apologetically. No, Avi, they do know what they are saying. This is all I hear from people in our city, whether drunk or sober. I've heard it for so long that I'm used to it by now, said Shem, with a sad smile on his face, running his fingers through his jet black hair. He looked at Avi piercing his friend with his deep blue eyes, which were full of concern. His gaze of compassion made Avi squirm. I know you don't really approve of my marriage, but <laughs> I can't resist this girl. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Avi said, smiling and putting his hand on Shem's shoulder, longing for him to agree. Yes, she is indeed beautiful, Avi. But God has made it clear that his people are not supposed to marry godless foreigners. You will not be happy unless you turn back to God. Please, there is still time. Uh, turn from this path you are headed down and bring your wife into our beliefs. God is going to bring his wrath down soon, and I want you and your household to be saved. Shem pleaded with Avi, his heart longing to reach his friend. With that, Avi straightened up the smile leaving his face.
You don't understand, Shem. You are too stuck in your beliefs and your ways. I choose a new way of thinking and living. I'm free to do whatever I want. And I choose my bride and her ways. There are no restrictions. I'll be happy, you'll see. I'll be happy. Now, go. You don't belong here. I wish it could be different between us, but we are on opposite paths now, so go, Avi said as he turned and left Shem in the garden. Shem stood and called to Avi. If you have a change of heart, know I will be waiting to be your friend. Avi shook his head sadly and went in the house to rejoin the wedding party. Shem sighed and looked at the ground. That was it. Shem bid his last farewell to Avi and to anyone he could consider a friend outside of his two brothers, Ham and Japheth. Shem started walking home, his heart heavy. The streets were full of violence. Two young boys went running down the street carrying a canvas bag. A market owner was yelling after them, Thieves! Stop them! They stole my money! It was dangerous to be out past dark. Thugs abounded in the streets and would kill anyone for just a few spare coins. Murder was part of the daily news in this city. And God was nowhere to be found here. He didn't enter the thoughts of a single soul outside of Shem's family. Godless. The people chose to be godless. How empty, thought Shem. God provided such meaning to life. How could people so easily write him off in pursuit of people, places, and things that would never satisfy? Shem pulled his cloak further around his head and picked up his pace to get home. As he walked along, he thought about what the people had said at the wedding. It was true. His father had been building the ark for more than 100 years. It was all Shem ever knew as a child. Growing up to the sounds of hammering and sawing, and the strong smell of pitch used to coat the inside and outside of the boat. His father explained to Shem and his brothers that God had told him to build the ark. Shem never got tired of hearing the story, for it was so amazing, and it gave him comfort to see a purpose behind what seemed foolish to the world. Noah was about 500 years old when God spoke to him. For four centuries, Noah and his wife Ada had farmed the land here. She was a solid and faithful mate, and together they followed God and tried to honor him in all they did. One day, God came to Noah and said, I'm going to put an end to this corrupt and evil world and all the people in it. I can't stand the violence any longer. But you, Noah, you are the only righteous man I see. You and your family will I save. You are to build an ark out of gopher wood. Make rooms in it and cover it with pitch inside and out. You need to make the ark 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for the ark and put a window at the top 18 inches from the roof line. Put a door in the side and give the ark three decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters to destroy the earth and everything that has breath living upon it. Everything on earth will perish. But with you, I will establish my covenant, 
and you will enter the ark, you, your wife, and your three sons and their wives. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, animal, and creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to store up all the food that you and the animals will need. Noah was floored with this word from God, but he faithfully obeyed. He believed what God had told him would come to pass. So instead of planting wheat that year in the south field, he staked out the dimensions of the ark, and he began to build. As Shem, Ham, and Japheth grew older, they helped as well. They cleared the forest around them, felling tall trees and shaping the wood into perfect planks. After a few years, the boat began to take shape. Whenever Noah and his family worked on the ark, they always had an audience of people from the city coming by to check out this crazy spectacle. As they laughed and jeered at Noah, he was ever full of grace toward them. He repeatedly preached to them to change their ways, repent of their sins, and leave the violence behind to follow God. Noah tried to share the hope that they too could be saved when God destroyed the world, but no one ever listened. All they did was laugh at the crazy old man and his crazy family, the city's resident, God-loving fools. Shem was grateful that he had met his wife, Nala, when he did. She was so pure, so good, and her heart was inclined to God's. Ham and Japheth also found godly wives. God had indeed blessed Noah's family with faithful women. Shem uttered a word of thanks to God as he walked along the dusty road leading home and to Nala. As Shem took the turn off the main road, there in the distance he saw the magnificent structure sitting securely in its strong cradle. The ark was bigger than life. It may have looked foolish to the world, but every time Shem drew near to the ark, he felt wrapped up in the unmistakable feeling of safety. He felt the presence of God because God himself had ordained and designed this ark. While Shem didn't see how it was possible for this ark to ever go anywhere, as they were miles from the sea, he felt safe inside its hold. Shem smelled the wonderful aroma of garlic and herbs as he approached his small home built in the shadow of the ark. Nala and the other women were preparing dinner, and Shem's mouth watered at the thought of one of their delicious meals. Hello, I'm home, he said as he entered the house. Oh, thank the Lord you are here. I missed you. Uh, how was the wedding? Nala said as she kissed Shem on the cheek. Predictable, Shem answered as he walked over to the fire where sat Noah and his brothers. Noah was whittling a stick by the fire and looked up at Shem with a twinkle in his eyes. His long white hair flowed to his shoulders and wood shavings stuck to his long white beard. Noah's face was full of wrinkles, but his face was soft nonetheless, as was his heart. He knew what Shem must have encountered at the wedding. He shook his head and chuckled. <laughs> More crazy arrows hurled at you, I presume. Yes, father. And I tried once more to talk to Avi, to help him see that he is on the wrong path. But his mind is made up. 
He no longer wishes to follow God, Shem said, poking at the fire with a long stick. Noah didn't respond right away, and everyone waited for him to speak first. Oh, how his sons respected him. The Creator had spoken directly to their father. His integrity was beyond reproach, his goodness unmatched. They would ever be obedient to whatever their father instructed them to do. How they loved him, for their father had taught them love. Noah told his sons about God's love, and he lived out that love in how he treated every member of the family. Yes, this 600-year-old man was ridiculed and rejected by the world, but loved beyond measure by his small family. They were his world now. Well, you tried, Shem, Noah finally said. God only asks us to share the truth with others. Each person must decide for himself or herself whether to respond to God or not. The free will he gave to each heart is a precious gift. Yet it comes at a painful price when a heart chooses to reject the only source of hope, the only source of true love and happiness. Shem sat thoughtfully and looked around at his brothers. They shared smiles as they sat there, the fire crackling and spreading warmth around them. How grateful I am, my brothers, for you and your friendship. Were it not for you, I would have no one to call friend. Ham and Japheth smiled before Ham decided to lighten the mood. Yeah, you say that now. Wait till Japheth here drops another hammer on your foot. <laughs> You're right. Laughed Shem as he thought of his aching toes, which carried the bruises of Japheth's hammer. Shem shoved Japheth with his muscular hand, remembering how that accident days ago left him screaming with pain. Hey, it was an accident! Japheth exclaimed in his defense. Besides, I don't leave nails sitting in chairs like some people I know. Japheth said accusingly at Ham. Well, someone's got to provide a little entertainment around here. It gets boring from time to time, and there's nothing like nails in a chair to stir things up. <laughs> Laughed Ham. Noah looked at his sons and how they carried on together, how faithful they had been to do as they had been told all these many years. They sacrificed friends, social status, and any hope of ever being anyone important in the world. What a high price to pay! Still, he knew that what they had done was the right thing. It was the obedient thing. When God gave instructions, there was only one right response, and his sons had chosen to obey. So, Father, we finished the last stall on deck three today. I think all we lack is completing the pitch on the upper deck, and we'll be finished. What will we do then? Asked Japheth. Noah thought for a moment and then replied, "We gather supplies for the ark, and we wait on the Lord." I don't know if the completion of the ark means that God will be ready to act, but be sure that we will know when the time is upon us. How will we know? Asked Ham. The animals, the animals will come to us. God said they would come to us to be saved. When they begin to arrive, the time will be near," said Noah, continuing to whittle his stick. How many animals do you think will be in our care? Asked Shem. We've never cared for more than our farm animals. 
How will we know how to handle every beast that roams the earth? Well, given the size of the ark and the stalls we've built, I estimate thousands upon thousands, said Noah, looking each son in the eyes. They were overwhelmed with such a large task. That many! How will we ever be able to feed them and uh, take care of their waste? Ham said, clearly upset at the seemingly impossible job before them. Do you forget who ordained this venture? If God has ordained it, he will enable us to do it. He is the maker of all creation, and he knows how to care for every creature. He will give us the wisdom and the way to make it happen. Noah replied calmly. But how could we ever gather that much food? And how long will we be on the ark? What if we run out of food? said Ham, getting more worried as the conversation continued. Our God shall supply all our needs, Ham. Trust Him. In all things, trust Him, said Noah, standing up and stretching his legs. He heard Ada calling them for dinner. Now, God has provided our food for this evening, so let us be content and go enjoy it. As Noah left the room, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were speechless as their minds swirled with the reality of what was heading their way. Thousands upon thousands of animals, birds, and insects would soon come to them, and they would be in charge of their care. Shem thought of what the city people would say. He could only imagine their jeers as the Noah family became not only ark builders, but animal keepers as well. God help us! May he bring animals to us who know what they're doing anyway. They'll have to help us help them, is all I know, said Japheth as the sons followed Noah into the other room for dinner. Shem held out hope for his friend. When finally Avi saw the animals, then maybe he would believe that what Shem said really was from God. Maybe then... The Maker made it pretty clear then that there were a flood coming and that whoever made it onto the ark would live to tell about it, including a pair of uh, each kind of animal. I reckon that were us, huh? Of course, but uh, we didn't know it at the time. We was just following the fire cloud. Uh, but you know, Liz, we weren't just following the fire cloud. We were doing what we were told. And that is all the Maker decided we needed to know, for he wanted us to simply trust him and obey him. And he still does, with all of us then. He wants you to trust him because he knows everything. And he loves you more than you can imagine. Aye, and some people can imagine some pretty amazing things then. Uh, we, like Miss Jenny... Today's episode was about something that really happened in the Bible, the things that the Maker told to Noah. Uh, but the story about the wedding and all, well, that were from the mind of Jenny. So, uh, let's head to Jenny's corner. Uh, hello, Miss Jenny. Well, Liz, I understand you have a pretty serious question for me this time. We, oui, uh, what is the hardest part about uh, making up a story that's also about a real Bible story? Uh, do you worry that you might get, uh, how do you say it, uh, too far off the pace? 
That is a great question and an important question because the hardest part is possibly putting words in the mouths of real characters in Scripture and getting it wrong and maybe saying something that wouldn't be plausible to their character. And this is why it takes a lot of prayer. Um, You know, before I write a word, when I'm, you know, taking an event that happened in Scripture, I asked the maker, I said, okay, tell me what happened here. You know, what's going on? Um, I do the best research that I can and read a lot of commentaries to make sure that when I mingle fictional lines with the real lines that we know that they spoke in Scripture, that they're reasonable, they're plausible, and they do not go against the character of those Bible characters. A grand answer, then. Thanks, Jenny. That were a great recipe for staying the course, making sure you talk to the maker about it to get your heart in the right place, and doing the diligence of study and research so your mind is in the right place too. Uh, there you have it. Our work is done here. Uh, announcer lad? Uh, it's Denny. No, it's me, Max. Anyway, uh, tell us about the next episode then. Are you sure? Why wouldn't I be? Well, next time we'll be dealing with a lot of water. Uh, so? Well, I know how you feel about rivers, and especially raging rivers, and... Oh, oh, and, and there's wolves, too. We'll be, we'll be dealing with wolves, too. Uh, wolf beasties? Ah, but don't worry, Max. That's not until next time. I, uh, <coughs> I feel like I might be coming down with something here. <coughs> uh, Max, you are not sick, and don't pay any attention to Monsieur Narrator. Uh, it's Denny. No, it is Liz. Anyway, Max, don't listen to him. He's just trying to get your goat. Goats I can handle. It's the Norwegian rivers and the wolf beasties that get me all riled up and everything. He's not talking about that. I never made any mention of goats. No, I would not. I like goats, especially Gilliman. It's he just was a an great ex- modern goat. It's well, an expression, well, about What's your point, then? Well, I was just trying Anyway, to... I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hopefully they'll be under control by next time. And I wanted to point out to you that all that prayer and research that goes into Jenny's biblically-based books is also true of her historically-based books as well. Maybe even more so. And she's got a brand new book out. In case you missed it, Jenny's latest book, the eighth in the series, is now available in print. That's right. The Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy is now available on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle versions. To learn more about the book, you can go to Jenny's website. Uh, Grab a pencil. I'll give you that address in just a moment. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis. Thanks for listening.